So let's look at dust on construction sites. Welcome to the Interesting Health and Safety Podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Good morning, it's Colin here, and welcome to the Interesting Health and Safety Podcast. Um, today, we've got a really, really interesting guest. It's, um, it's Chris Lucas. Chris is a, a, a HM Principal Inspector. Um, and works in the construction division in the uh, in Great Britain. Um, he actually heads up the health element of the uh, of, in the construction uh, construction div- division. And uh, and we're going to be we're going to exploring a few things. We're going to be looking at um, about the the I suppose the approach to, to health and safety in the UK. The the helping Great Britain work well um, program that came out uh, twenty sixteen. I think it was. Um, the Go Home Healthy campaign, and also we're going to be specifically looking at um, looking at, at, at dust in construction, and that's that's really sort of interesting for me because because I also chair the um, the Construction Dust Partnership, which is a uh, you know which is a group of um, I suppose you know experts in in uh, in health occupational health who um, who who understand the health risks um, associated with dust and, and basically volunteer you know um, the members the members around the table all volunteer their time. Um, with with a view of trying to raise awareness of um, of construction dust uh, across uh, across Great Britain, and uh, there's some really really great resources. And we talk a little bit about where you can get hold of the resources, and and they'll be on the, the notes as well um, that are with the uh, that are with this podcast. So um so anyway, let's um you know let's let's get on with it, and uh, and let me introduce you uh, to Chris. Okay, well let's get let's get kicked off then, Chris. Um, you know, thanks a lot for uh, for um, meeting up with, with us today. Um, can you just explain explain um, you know, who you are and where you sort of fit into the health and safety executive? Yeah, of course. And thank you very much for this opportunity. It's uh, it's an exciting one. Um, I've been with the HSC now for about twenty years, so I've had a, a varied career, doing uh, quite a lot of stuff. I joined as a, a factory inspector. Uh, I did food, fairgrounds, local authorities. Then I moved to construction. Then I went back to to industry and I, I did kind of engineering woodworking re- waste and recycling and now I've uh, come back to to construction again and and currently I head up the health risk management unit within our policy team okay uh, and essentially that's the interface between the operational side of things and wider policy and making sure the two link together and dealing with industry so do you have to um do you have to spend time out on site as well as as well as in the office not so much on site. I mean, I've been a construction inspector, so I've done that, and I liaise a lot with colleagues who are on site, and, and it's more dealing with the issues that come up from their interventions, making sure we have consistent responses to that, and are picking up issues of concern so that we can address those from a strategic level. Okay, great stuff. And is that um, is that something you do across the UK or across Great Great Britain? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, we work across, and I've got staff who work in um, Wales and, and Scotland, and that, that brings a really good perspective to things as well. Mm-hmm. And just to make sure we're considering the different dynamics and regional issues, um, because what what works in London is very different to what works in the northeast, uh, and obviously depends what build what building work's going on and and those kind of issues. It's, it's important to get a holistic picture on that. And so, are you also looking looking forward then at, at maybe big projects that are coming up? And then lots seeing how how you um, from from the regulators are going to be interacting with some of those bigger projects. There's a whole piece of work uh, in terms of where the industry is going, uh, and the major projects will always be at the forefront of that because they'll be they'll be pushing the boundaries. But we need to think about not just what the risks are now, but what the risks are going to be in five and ten years time. So 
what's going to change the industry in terms of off-site construction, um, build on site in terms of um, design and the use of information and computers to do that. What about exoskeletons? What about drones? You know, are these removing risks? Are they introducing new risks? What about new uh, technology for materials? So we, we've got to have not just one eye on what's happening now, but another eye on what's happening in the future so that we're, we're positioned for that. Oh, good. And and do you look at the, the, the safety risk as well as the health risk, or do you mainly focus on the health side of things? How, how does it work? But personally, I fo- my team focus on the health side. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a separate team that focuses on the safety side of things, but obviously we work really closely together and we'll be looking to combine it because at the moment there's kind of health and safety and what does that mean for particularly small and s- small businesses uh, and, and self-employed people? They're, they're focused on the job that they're doing and, and you need a different language. So one of the pieces of work we're looking at is, is materials and the risks associated with materials. And that's not just a lifting issue, but it's also a, how you're moving them, mm-hmm. um, how you're getting them up height. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an holistic pas- package that hopefully talks more their language. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so um, let's um, let's have a little, little chat then about um, I suppose about how how Great Britain is is trying to move uh, move health and safety forward. Um, there's there's re- there's recently been a, a, a sort of initiative that's come out from the HSE. Are you able to explain a bit about that? I think, I mean, Britain's got a really good health and safety record. So so let's talk about that first because it's really positive. I think you know we've got a lot we can be proud of, but as with everything, you can always improve. Uh, in 2016, we launched the uh, Helping G Great Britain Work Well strategy. Uh, that's a broad, overarching strategy. And it's not an HSE-specific strategy. It's something for the in- everyone who's got a role in health and safety. So it's about everybody doing their bit, of which the regulator is one part. And that was launched after consultation, and it's got uh, a number of key themes. So they're broad brush themes um, looking at a wide area of, of areas. So we're talking about acting together, tackling ill health. How do you manage risks well? How do you support small employers? How do you keep pace with change? And how, how do we share our success? Uh, so those are the broad strands based upon areas that, that need further attention. Um, and particularly close to the work I do is the tackling ill health one, mm-hmm. because we know that the ill health statistics are really significant um particularly in the construction industry when you look at the amount of people who are uh, off work uh, lost time uh, the the burden from previous past exposures to occupational cancers um there's really some significant challenges there which take sustained long-term planning and delivery to mm-hmm. make sure that we make a, a, a sustainable change on them um and that's why one of the underarching kind of strap lines underneath uh, helping GB work well is go home healthy. So it's a heading that enables everyone to, it's one of those things that's supposed to do, does what it says on the tin. We want people to go home healthy. Mm -hmm. Employers want people to go home healthy. And, and it it really speaks a a clear, simple message that um, about ill health. And under that, there are a number of areas that we need to specifically target. So yeah, I mean, so you know, when you're saying something like "go home healthy," I suppose you know you're really you're, you are 
putting some responsibility on on the individual as well as the company, um, you know, as well as the country, I suppose. And it? it's, it's it's saying, you know, you know, you're there to, you know, you're there to do things the right way as well, so that you go home healthy. Everyone has everyone has a part part to play in any um, walk of life or any element or component or machine. Everything's only as good as its as its weakest bit. Everything has to work well. So, you know, for in a construction project, it's how the client leads, how the designer and the principal designer make sure that the risks are eliminated. What the principal contractor then does in terms of setting out the tone of the project how the individual elements of the packages are managed by subcontractors and then how does the individual worker own their element of the responsibility and follow what's been been set. So there are a number of things where if those parts don't work properly, something something's going to fall through the crack. Mm, mm, that's right. And, you know, I mean, you know, you mentioned there the designer. I mean, they, I think they're coming more and more to the, to the fore, aren't they, of having a, a big responsibility to, you know, to, to, to design things in a way so that stuff doesn't have to be cut for argument's sake, you know, because it's when you're doing that cutting activity, that's when noise, dust, vibration, all start to all start to kick in. Exactly. That there's so much that can be done at the front end. If you take a, a blank sheet of paper and draw a design on it, to change that design may not take too long on the piece of paper. Once it gets to site, and that uh, line or where where a wall is or something else needs to be moved because it's in the wrong place, you're then talking an exponential increase in terms of time, cost, resources, effort, risk. Mm. Um, so if the more that can be front-loaded, and designers have got their duties under the construction design and management regs to do this, mm-hmm. um, then the greater benefits there will be on site. Mm. And it's part of good project management, not just health and safety, to make sure the whole project man- works smoothly and unforeseen issues are minimised. And how, um, you know, how well do you think we do that? How, you know, how has the has the designer, I suppose, been given been given an, enough advice, support, training to be able to make those right decisions? The responsibilities on designers have been in for many years now, mm. so there will be variable performance. I think there's variable performance in in the industry generally mm-hmm. um, when you look at the different performance on site, for example. So I, I think it would be fair to say it's variable and the challenge is still there to do more mm-hmm. on the design front because we want to make sure that easy wins are always done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned about the, um, you know, you're sort of focusing on the health side um, of, uh, you know, on the construction side and the construction. How, how, how big a problem is it? Health is a massive challenge in, in construction um, because of the nature of the work it involved and the sheer number of people involved in the industry. So whatever, if there are significant health issues that manifest it, they're going to manifest it a number of people because of the sheer size of the industry. So the biggest areas that, that we've got concern about are what we would call long latency diseases. So these are diseases that won't initially become apparent after you're exposed. 20, 30, 40 years down after you kind of working life while you're being exposed, you will then start to get the, the effects. And the typical ones there are asbestos and um, dust, mm-hmm. um, particularly silica, because mm-hmm. um, both lead to really serious lung diseases. Um, and we estimate that for every 
one construction worker killed on a construction site through an accident, approximately 100 will die from long latency diseases such as that. Wow, that's that's, that's a big number, isn't it? it? It's a huge number and it, it, it shows the scale of the, the challenge. Now, some of the processes will be different because we're talking 30, 40 years ago. So, so there will be differences, um, but it's important to keep that kind of context in mind to kind of the scale of the challenge. And it's not always what you see at the moment. It's what's the legacy of that going to be. Mm. And uh, asbestos is, um, I mean, I suppose it's been quite well publicised over the years, hasn't it? Um, you know, there's been some big pushes, some big campaigns on on raising awareness for asbestos. But where, what about some things like, uh, you know, silica and silicosis? Where, what do you think we need to do differently to get that message out? We've, HSE, have been pushing the silica message for, well, many years. Um, and, and there's been concerted effort over, I would say, the last decade to make sure that industry is doing what it needs to do and that people are aware. There is no, there's no quick switch we can flick to change everything. It's about having sustained, concerted uh, effort on those topics. And that's why uh, currently at the moment we're, we're doing a health initiative. Um, and we have run health initiatives at the past where we focus on specific health topics and the health topic we're, we're focusing on currently is lung disease, in particular asbestos and, and dust like silica, because by focusing our operational activity within a given period, we can amplify the conversation around it and, mm-hmm. and make a bigger impact. And is, is that something that's, um, that's, uh, that's coming out now, that's just being launched now? We're running the initiative from, yeah, uh, well, the, the, the initiative so, will start for a month from the 17th of June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be a nationwide initiative where inspectors will be uh, visiting sites in their locality to, mm-hmm. look, to look at what arrangements people have got for, for controlling this. Um, the first issue they'll they'll address is if you're working on site and it's a property where asbestos could be present, they'll be looking to see that its presence has been determined and appropriate action, if it is present, has been taken to, to control that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody hasn't done a survey or look to see where asbestos is is present and then that's the first hurdle that anyone's going to have to come up with because you know people need to plan their work properly they need to know the risks plan the work and use the right controls if they're not doing that with asbestos then we'll, we'll take strong action on that okay and i mean you know this you know the reason that we're we're talking today i suppose is to is, is to try and raise awareness you know we're gonna you know we're gonna roll this um you know what we're talking about today is through through the podcast um and also um uh you know giving you the opportunity to use it with other with other social media so there's going to be a, there's going to be a big social media push um you know in the next uh, in the next you know number of weeks to, uh, to 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 raise raise people's awareness yeah that's correct i mean what we don't want to do is just rely on the inspection side of things because that's really really important um but what it allows us to do is amplify the general message because it's important what we're talking about is long-term behavior change people need to recognize this this is a a serious risk to the to the long-term health mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of health issues the, the tendency is to say well, well that's making my nose got a few snuffles but blow my nose and that's the end of it mm. but that's not the end of it mm-hmm. um but it's seen as tomorrow's problem yeah but tomorrow will come round eventually. And mm-hmm. what we need to do is make sure people take action today 
Um, and part of that is, is the wider awareness. So when they're on site, looking at make sure the right controls are in place, what we're going to be doing is is using uh, the findings to say, well, here's what's gone really badly and you need to do something different or mm-hmm. here's what's gone really well mm-hmm. because it's important that we, we, we share success as well. Mm. And that's something that, that, that doesn't always happen, does it? The sharing of a, sharing of success. So is there, are there ways that, um, that people are going to be able to share their good news then? Yeah, we're um, using our Facebook Safer Sites um, as a platform to promote a lot of this. There's also uh, Twitter, uh, the hashtag Dustbuster and hashtag WorkRight. Uh, those will be used to stitch everything together throughout the compa- uh, campaign. And they also cross over with um, other campaigns that we're, we're doing in separate industries. So although my concern is construction, obviously colleagues in HSE that there's significant lung problems when you're dealing with um, bakeries, when you're dealing with uh, woodworking premises, you know, these are all, uh, they're all substances there that, that can cause uh, serious lung disease. And people don't always see that, do they? I mean, you, you mentioned there about bakery, um, you know, I mean, flour is, you know, it's, uh, it grows in a field. You know, you, you grind it down. It's a natural. It's a natural product that people, you know, just don't always appreciate that it can that it can cause you damage. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Same with wood. It's it's a natural thing. It's it's there, and I think uh, familiarity sometimes means you don't see the other stuff. Mm-hmm. You mentioned um, about um, you know about people not being aware of uh, some of the some of the health hazards you know because they they take so long to to sort of manifest themselves i i was recently doing um doing some training with some some guys just outside of london and and we were just talking about near misreporting and i and i and i just said look you know if you blow your nose into your hanky and you see a load of gunk in your hanky how many of you would actually think to to report that as a near miss because it's a it's a it's a control that hasn't that hasn't worked you know, if the if the dust has been able to get to your, you know, to get to your, to your into your into your system, then it hasn't worked, and and they should be treating it similar to say a guard missing. How do you feel about how do you feel about that? That's a really simple way for people to uh, pick up that something isn't isn't right. Because even if someone's got a mask on, if they haven't put the mask on right, or they haven't been face fit tested to wear the mask correctly, then dust can still get in, um, and, and then. Those kind of simple things can act as a as a kind of a, a check to go. Oh, something's not right here. Why isn't it right? And if I don't know why it's right, it, I've got to ask somebody, and they can tell me what I need to do. Mm-hmm. The the other, there are a couple of other simple things. What uh, a really high powered torch. So if you shine that, uh, it doesn't obviously work outside because it's too bright. But in a in a an area that's darkened. You can you can catch the dust in the beams of that, and it gives you a really good perspective about how much is floating in the air. Because what we're talking about is really, really fine particles of dust here. Mm. So it's typically not what you see that's the issue. Sometimes it's the the stuff you you can't see. So I equate it to a bit like if you're in a darkened room and you've got the curtains partially open and you've got that shaft of light mm-hmm. and sometimes you can see yeah. all the stuff flickering in the light. Um, if you had the curtains fully open, you wouldn't see that. So silica's, silica, you know, to get really deep down into your lungs, we're talking... So in terms of silica particles that are much smaller than the width of your hair. Okay. And so what, what does it do? How does it, how does it hurt you? Well, in terms of silica, it scars your lungs. So once you breathe it, 
it, it gets into your lungs and your lungs try and dissolve it um, okay. via the natural defense mechanisms. Um, but they, they can't really do that. It's a tough substance. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of envelops, uh, your natural defense mechanism envelops, envelops the silica and causes scarring. So another another good example is if you had a balloon and you keep blowing the balloon up, um, you know, a, a new balloon's got really nice elasticity to it. It's healthy. If you wrap sellotape around it, it it doesn't really blow up properly. Okay. And that's a similar thing to what, what, what it's doing to your lungs. It, it's scarring it. It's affecting the ability of it, uh, of, the, of your lung capacity, but it's also then is linked to, to lung cancer as well like later down the, the line. Okay, okay. So, I mean... I mean, you know, obviously, you know, can have very, very debilitating effects on people. You know, if you if you can't if you can't breathe later in life, um, you know, just being able to maybe have a kickabout with the grandkids or you know playing a bit of football with your, you know with your, with your, with your dad stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like a lot of things you take for granted when they work fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly with the back, you know, anyone who's ever had a bad back will know that if your back goes, you are debilitated. But when it isn't gone, it's fine. It's not a problem. You don't think about it. So uh, an interesting uh, analogy is if you you get some kind of thicker thicker drink straws, and if you just breathe through those, mm-hmm. you soon find you're you're struggling for breath because you can't get the oxygen in quick enough. Right. And that's a kind of a good analogy for reduced lung capacity because you're always struggling. You can't get enough in. We've spoken a bit, a little bit there about about some of the, um, you know, some of the health risks, you know, related around lung lung conditions, yeah. and um, and and some of the ways that you can you can identify it, you know, and the, and the sort of the, the the issues that it can it can cause you a little bit later on in uh, later on in life. But what about control then? What what should businesses be doing to control this? Well, I think there's there's, there's three things. Um, the first thing is to eliminate or prevent. That starts right up at the design stage. So can you minimise the amount of cuts you need to do by selecting the right material up front? Mm-hmm. Uh, ordering it pre-cut. There's a variety of things that you could think to do. The other element is can you use a lower energy piece of equipment? So instead of a cut-off saw, can you use a block splitter? Okay. Because a cut-off saw has got a really high amount of energy. That's why it's very good at what it does, but it also everything it touches it, it, it is kind of turned to dust. Whereas a block splitter, it, it, its job is just to apply pressure in a point. Um, it, it splits it at that point, and there's no noise, there's no vibration, and and there's no dust. Mm-hmm. So that that is always the, the the goal is is to do that. Where you can't do that, the the primary focus has got to be controlling its source. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we mean by that is stopping the dust getting into the air. Once it's in the air, more people are going to be affected and it's harder to control it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about making sure that dust is captured in some way. And, and there are two main ways ways of doing that. One is water. So I'm sure many people have seen uh, cut-off saws of water suppression. That What the, the nozzles do is is put mist in the air, that mist attached to, to the dust, and then a lot of the dust will fall onto the ground as, as, as slurry. The other way is to use uh, what's called on-tool extraction, which is essentially a specific type of, of extraction unit, very similar to, to a vacuum, um, but it's it's more technologically advanced than that, which will extract the dust as it's being made. 
Now, a lot of tasks, if you're using high energy equipment uh, or doing stuff for a long period of time, you won't be able to control enough of the dust to reduce the risk low enough that you won't be, be at risk yourself. So you might need a mask as well as, as backup protection. Okay. The key thing that people often get wrong is either they don't recognise it's a risk, they don't use any controls, or if they think it's a risk, they might say, well, I'll, I'll put a mask on and that's job done. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's not. That's, that's the last line of defence and it should only be used as a backup to other measures. Yeah, I suppose because, you know, a mask, if, if you don't put it on properly, it, it doesn't protect you, does it? Yeah, the analogy I always use is like a, a bath with a bath plug. If you fill a, a bath full of water and you've got the right plug in, all the water will stay in. Mm-hmm. Or you'll be keeping the water out of the drain. If it doesn't fit, all the water's still going to drain. Mm. So for a mask, you're entirely reliant on how well that mask seals around your face. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't seal around your face, these particles are often so small they'll find the weakest way in. And that will be around the mask, around the seal, uh, and then into your breathing system. Okay. And I suppose having having stubble or a beard or a moustache is, is just going to defeat, you know, a lot of a lot of masks that uh, that, that people wear. It will defeat all, all the masks that, that people wear because the, it acts as a, a effectively stilts, you know, stubble that will push it away from, from the face. And the only way uh, people's faces come in lots of, uh, of different shapes and, and, and sizes and masks do the same to match that. So it's really important that you get the right mask for, for your face type. Um, so I... When I was face fit tested, I had to go through several masks to get the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's done via what's called a face fit test. Mm-hmm. So there are two ways of doing it, um, which uh, we've got guidance on our website about. It, it, it's an involved process, but it's about getting it right because the whole point of wearing RPE is to do a job. Mm-hmm. And there's no point wearing it if it's not going to do the job and it it hasn't got the right, you haven't put in place the right methods to, to make sure it can be used properly. So if it, if once you've determined that the mask fits somebody, it then needs to be worn correctly every time. And there, there are two things, or there's several things to that, but, but one is making sure the only way you can be sure that the condition of your, your face is the same as the conditions when you had uh, a face fit test is to be clean shaven. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you, you, you should always be tested when you're clean shaven. If you're being tested when you're not clean shaven, then the person doing the testing shouldn't be shouldn't be testing you in the first place okay um you shouldn't be either be allowed to be or be put in a position where you're being tested where you've got stubble uh, and then the only way you can replicate that, that 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 mask will fit is is when you're clean shaving yourself as well okay so if um if if an inspector then turns up on uh, on site and and maybe finds a saw being used without any without any water or maybe um you know something routing out that they haven't got on tool extraction or people that have got stubble that are trying to put face masks on, how are, how are, how are the inspectors going to deal with that? Well, the, these are high-risk substances, so uh, or high-hazard high substances, so it will all depend upon the circumstances of what they see and the level of risk associated with that. So, so obviously there's a, a range of, uh, of actions that an inspector can take from, from verbal advice 
uh, a notification of contravention, which which is a formal letter, uh, an improvement notice, or or ultimately it will be to to take the matters to the to the court. So it so it all depends on on the, on the circumstances. But in general, what we'll be looking to see is is that the company and the individuals understand the risks, have the right controls, and are using those right controls in, in the correct way. If there are weaknesses in that, that those will be explored. Uh, and the the bigger the weakness, the stronger the action will be. So if you give an example of somebody using a, a cut-off saw on a concrete and they haven't got any controls whatsoever, then, you know, it would be entirely um, foreseeable that an inspector would uh, issue a prohibition notice stopping that until the actions, the right corrective actions are, are put in place mm-hmm. uh, because th- we see that as significant. And, um, you know, I suppose, you know, really, you know, good, good businesses are the ones then that, that, that preempt that and, and put the right, uh, the right controls in place before you turn up. Um, I, I chair, um, uh, a group called the construction dust partnership and you can find, um, you can find information on the uh, on the on the, the CITB website, um, and there's a, there's a there's a lots of guidance, lots of uh, of inf- information about how to how to control dust on the, on on that site. Are there any other air- places that people can go to as well to get uh, to get information on how to control dust? Yeah, w- what we've done on the HSE website is so it's www.hse.gov.uk is um, put together both general information and task-specific information. So there's a construction information sheet 36 on, on construction dust. That's a very four-page uh, A4 sheet, which says what's the problem, covers uh, the, the issues that we've, we've discussed on this podcast about knowing the risk, controlling the risk, uh, planning the work. And on the back of it is also a series of, of common tasks. And it says how you can try and either eliminate or, or reduce the dust from that. And if you can't, what the right controls are to try and make it really, really simple for people. Mm-hmm. There's also a whole range of different specific tasks on our website that says if you're doing this task like cutting roof tiles, uh, chasing out mortar, um, uh, chopping wood, uh, drilling, what should you do? Uh, the right controls. And, and with some of those, we've got some videos that show uh, dust exposure and silica exposure without the control and um, with the control and the, and the difference is is you know is plain for all to see mm-hmm. oh fantastic so yeah so there's um you know so there's advice out there it's about people going out and uh you know going out and having a read and then and then applying it to their uh to their place of work that's correct fantastic thank you uh thank you very much that's, no i enjoyed uh, that thank you very much indeed okay. so how was that hopefully you found that interesting um you know, Chris is a really, really nice guy, and has got a, a sort of sensible, sensible head. And you know, and I suppose it's he sort of brings a bit, of, a bit of life to, uh, to, to the, to the HSE. You know, they can be, they can be seen as quite stiff. Um, so you know, it was really, really nice to, to catch up with him and have a chat through, uh, you know, through this, this, this issue. There was a few things there to, to sort of pick up on us, and you know, it's about, you know, I suppose it's really about right at the design stage, right at the beginning, when you're first, uh, when you're first planning uh, construction jobs. It's about making those those right calls early doors and getting the designer involved. You know, getting people uh, looking at at the activities that might go on on site that can that can cause some um, cause health issues. You know, it's so easy to overlook the health issues in uh, in the workplace, and and people focus so much more on on safety because um, 
you know, because it's there, it's in your face, you can see it, you know, you can see the machinery uh, moving around the site, you can see, you know, the, the risk of people falling from heights or, or getting cut by, um, you know, by something that they're, they're handling. Um, so, so, you know, sometimes the health side of things gets uh, gets overlooked and, and, you know, we're doing, you know, this was focusing on dust and hopefully you've, you've seen some or you've heard some good, uh, some good advice and things to consider in the workplace. Later on in the year, we're going to be, um, you know, we're going to be talking about um, handling of, uh, of materials. We're going to, you know, we're going to be talking about vibration in the workplace. We're, we're going to also be talking about, um, you know, some mental health issues later on in the year. Um, but, you know, that's, um, um, you know, thanks a lot for listening to, uh, to this podcast today. And, and, uh, and hopefully you've, uh, you've learned something from it. Hey, speak to you again soon. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business.